Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcast of the Running Book Podcast. to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I'm Alex Burr, joined not by J.D. Hall or Dylan Hughes this week. Um, Dylan obviously is still on tour, and he is a little too busy at the moment, and J.D. also was a little busy this weekend. I, as well, was a little busy this weekend, so I figured, well, let's just go ahead and do a monologue. And I have tried to do one of these in the past, but it hasn't always been successful. So, um, we're going to just shoot for the moon here, and we're just going to hope <laughs> that everything goes well. There's no real um, injury news of significance to report about, but there is um, Zion Williamson apparently has been cleared to progress in his basketball activities, according to Shams and Will Guillory of The Athletic. Now, what that means, <laughs> who could really say? But the important thing is that, you know, maybe, maybe just maybe the surging Pelicans can get a shot at Zion Williamson. And listen, Caleb and I on the last podcast did a we trash Zion, right? And frankly, Zion kind of deserves it. But I I still think <laughs> that if he was to play for this team and be, you know, last year he was so, so dominant that it's not unrealistic to be like, hey, you know, if Zion's healthy, then that's a player that the Pelicans could really use. Because the Pelicans, let's just, let's just face it, they've been playing out of their minds <laughs> lately, it's, especially since acquiring CJ McCollum. The the returns on that investment have been tenfold. I mean, I, I always kind of had a feeling in the back of my head that as soon as CJ McCollum left the Blazers, he was going to take a step forward. But what he's done since he's gotten to New Orleans is insane. 26, 5, and 5. Really great shooting numbers. I think 42% from three I saw. And last night, they kicked the Jazz's ass. I'm recording this on Saturday night. They destroyed the Jazz, and the Jazz were coming to New Orleans, but it was a 30-point victory over the current four seed <laughs> in the West. So, shout out to them. Um, I don't think Zion will play. Shams and Guillory had him you know, still being out indefinitely, and I'm recording this on March 5th. The season regular season ends on April 10th. So logistically the odds of him coming back and playing basketball again this year i would say are pretty low and i think if i'm zion i don't know why i'd want to come back that's that's another factor of this too is that zion is your body's your greatest asset right for better for worse and once zion is able to get healthy then he should totally come out and play i don't want him to risk another injury though because foot injuries we've seen have been known to derail careers like Greg Oden. I don't actually, I'm not sure if it was Greg Oden's feet that were always the problem, but Yao Ming, Yao Ming, let's go with Yao Ming. He, his feet were terrible and they failed him on countless occasions. And you don't want, if you're the, the Pelicans, you don't want that to end up how it ended in Houston. Now, granted, Zion's not putting the extra miles on his body by playing for a Chinese national team every summer like, um, like Yao did. But still, the danger is always there, and I think that there's always a risk involved in coming back and playing, but I want to see him out there. It would be really exciting for the NBA, were Zion to come back. Um, 
other injury news. Uh, there's really no other injury news. So I'm going to go ahead and move on to the Houston Rockets. Okay, so the Houston Rockets are currently 15 and 48. Good for <laughs> last in the whole league. Currently on a 12-game losing streak. Now, they have played a couple, a few close games, including the aforementioned Jazz, but it um, is not looking pretty right now. I'm just going to do since the All-Star break, since that was the last time, you know, we did a podcast. Caleb and I did the um, rookies the Wednesday before the All-Star break was due to end. So it's only been, like, less than 10 days of actual basketball playing since the All-Star break ended, but... Um, they lost to the Cl- the Magic one nineteen to one eleven. They lost to the Clippers ninety nine to ninety eight. They lost to the Clippers again one thirteen to one ten. They lost to the Jazz in overtime one thirty two to one twenty seven, and then lost to the Nuggets one sixteen to one hundred one. This Houston team to me is very very intriguing. Um, there's a reason I started with them first. We, Caleb and I talked about them a lot on the uh, rookie pod, but. I think there's just a lot of dynamics on this team <laughs> that have been fascinating to examine. Like, let's. I, I want to start with Jalen Green, though, because we talked about him on last week's pod, but it truthfully had been a while since I fully focused in on him. And holy smokes, like, the efficiency and numbers aren't great. He's up to 15 points a game, shooting 39.8% from the field, 31.3% from three. He's getting to the foul line three times a game, shooting 80% from there. Um, 2.4 assists, 3.2 rebounds, like not doing much outside of putting the ball in the basket and not efficiently. But I'm going to be honest for a rookie. I don't care what your efficiency is. I want to know what you're doing and how you're getting your shots, because (laughs) at the end of the day, the odds are the game. Usually it's a combination of things. Usually like your brain can be moving a lot faster than your like your brain isn't moving as fast as your body is, right? Like you're seeing things. But your body is moving so fast that your and your brain hasn't caught up to it yet. Or like, you know, adjusting to the strength of NBA defenders. NBA defenders, like, I feel like people just, you know, like to shit on the NBA a lot now. NBA is really physical. <laughs> it's not like a, you know, it's not the 80s, but it's not the, you know, earlier, like after the hand check rules were disallowed and Steve Nash, you know, was marching to the rim with impunity. Right, you got to be strong nowadays to play in this NBA, and I think that's something a lot of people take for granted. And Jalen Green is just—he can get to the rim at will. No one can stay in front of him. Absolutely nobody. Again, can he finish? <laughs> no, but that's not—that's not important to me now. He will be able to finish, right? He's gonna like right now. He's shooting fifty-eight percent at the rim on one hundred ninety-seven attempts. So that's—I mean, for a rookie, that's pretty good, you know floaters <laughs> he's made 14 and 57 those have got to go in more you can't you can't not make your floaters as a guard like mid-range long mid-ranges he's shooting 19 of 53 so he's doing okay in that in between area he needs to probably get that up though like the comp i've had for him and i think i brought this up on the rookie podcast was zach levine right where zach was just so explosive and I mean, it just seemed like he was never going to figure it out. But then he figures it out in like year four or five. And now he is one of probably the 15, 20 best players in the NBA. So I don't expect Jalen Green <laughs> to have this figured out overnight. That's an unrealistic expectation for him. And he's not going to be, <laughs> you know, he's not going to be the guy that comes in and turns your franchise around. I mean, people were pretty right that he was going to come in and put up points. 
but it hasn't been efficient. But again, it doesn't matter, right? Another example, like I think Zach Levine I brought up was a good example. Um, RJ Barrett, <laughs> his rookie year, his numbers were atrocious. I think he was just at 40% from the field and like 30% from three. He could not buy a basket, but you saw, like, I think that time is more important about showing what you can do rather than like what you are consistently doing, right? Because you're only 19. You're not going to come in and be, unless you're LeBron James or unless you're Kevin Durant or unless you're Luka Doncic, right? Those guys can come in and Luka has an advantage over that Katie and LeBron didn't have and that he played five years professionally <laughs> before coming over and playing in the NBA. Those guys are a rare breed, right? Like Mobley, rare breed. And I'm not to say Jalen Green can't be a rare breed, but I think what we're seeing from him is that he can be a guy to me that can be a transformational top 20 type of player right but it's not going to happen it wasn't going to happen right away i think we should i i didn't watch enough of him in the g league to you know know this but just watching him now what he can do i I think a lot of what people who are talking about this draft they look at what mobley is doing and they look at what scotty barnes is doing and they're like those two guys are awesome (laughs) and jalen green isn't why is it why is that and I would counter with Jalen Green. First of all, he's on a much worse team, right? I think my our, my friend Caleb Lynn and I were talking about this. The Rockets and Jalen Green are a perfect marriage because the low expectations of it all kind of is great for him because he doesn't have to be he doesn't have to be James Harden right now. He doesn't have to be you know even Demar Derozan right now. He can just be Jalen Green, and he can figure it out in anonymity which is what he needs like and Mobley and Barnes were had more NBA ready skill sets but I don't think Barnes can do <laughs> what Jalen Green can do I I don't I don't think I don't think Cade could probably do what Jalen Green can do and listen I bullets in my head I'm still taking Cade first for the Pistons I think it was a great pick but I think Jalen Green over time he could like there's a very real possibility he ends up being better and yeah like <laughs> The defense isn't great, but he's got good help side instincts. He's not like, you know, some guy who's just gonna like just let guys blow by him. I mean, he'll he'll probably will be for the next couple of years. But if he figures it out, Steven Silas has a good defensive system in there. They have a lot of good vets in there. I would trust him. I would trust Silas to have Jalen Green figure it out. I would trust, you know, the veterans there. Like if Eric Gordon doesn't leave now, that's not a hundred percent we don't know if eric gordon's gonna what his fate's gonna be in the offseason he's the surprising guy who's still on the team but i think that they have a lot of you know areas for jalen to grow and excel in and i'm glad i got to take this look at him because it kind of like i kind of felt that way just watching a few games of him at a time you know during our other power hour weeks but now i feel really good about saying he's the sky's the limit for him and I don't, I don't give a damn about efficiency for rookies. I really don't. Like, unless you're Mobley, right? You're trying to be, you know, trying to help transform the Cavs and make, helping them make the playoffs in year one. Or unless you're Scotty Barnes, right? Like, Franz Wagner, he's being, like, super efficient for a rookie. That's great. I would be intrigued if he was doing the stuff he was doing and wasn't being efficient. That's just the name of the game. And I think sometimes as a lot of NBA analysts who rely on stats too much and efficiency they look at the efficiency numbers and go well he sucks he doesn't suck he's very clearly showing flashes he just (laughs) he just needs time to grow he's 19 
he's not going to figure this out right away. And a lot of the best players in the league, like, hell, Steph wasn't in the league when he was 19. You know, Jimmy was in the league when he was 19. Kawhi, Dame. <laughs> like, those are four, like, consensus top 15 players who weren't one-and-done guys, weren't high school guys. I think LeBron is the only high school guy that's still in the top 15. But, you know, like, there's a lot of opportunities for these guys to grow and get better. And I think people are discounting Jalen Green's ability when they aren't allowing him to grow, allowing him to be a better player. I think that when you take that away from somebody, that's just that's not ideal. And I think Jalen just needs a little bit of time to grow. He's going to be an amazing player someday. And now in the interest of not wanting to spend time, like spending 30 minutes on the Rockets, I'm going to kind of rapid fire through some guys that have caught my eye. Um, Christian Wood. Um, I, Jason Maples has been saying it on Twitter and on like various podcasts, but he's like, got, he's like a guy. And I think I bought too much into his hype last year when he was playing with John Wall, right? Like that was when I was really high on Christian Wood and my opinion of him stayed high for the rest of that year, even despite, you know, the circumstances there probably saying I shouldn't have been that high on him, but he kind of flows through games sometimes. And Zach Lowe said it as well this week too. And I think that. Listen, he's a guy, if he just bought in, right, all the talent in the world is there. But when you have to ask yourself if a guy will buy in, that's just not ideal to any kind of success that you might want to have. So I think that relying on Christian Wood for the Rockets, I would love to trade him in the offseason. Um, I don't blame the Lakers for not wanting to trade for him, <laughs> for what that's worth. Like trading Taylor Horton Tucker, your only young asset, and Russell Westbrook, and your first round pick in 2027 for Christian Wood and John Wall, in essence, that's not moving the needle enough for me to get that done. So, looking back on it, like I know it's been a couple of weeks. Actually, it's been closer, it's been pretty close to a month since the deadline already, which is crazy. But I think that Wood's just a guy where. <laughs> He needs to find the right coach, right? And to be fair, I think he's played for two good ones in Silas and and Dwayne Casey. And obviously he's played for a lot more. He's bounced around the league. But I think that, you know, maybe those guys aren't getting to him. Maybe he needs to find someone who's more rigid disciplinarian. And I, I don't know how those guys coach. I I imagine Dwayne Casey to be more of a rigid disciplinarian. You see, I mean, that's just the way his personality seems. But I think Silas... Christian Wood, the player, looks great in Steven Silas's system. I just don't know how that translates over time and which... Like, I, I hope that he finds somewhere because the talent is obviously super tantalizing. But I think it was kind of a bad sign when everyone was trying to get Miles Turner, right? This trade deadline. Everyone's like, oh, Miles Turner, Miles Turner. We need a guy like Miles Turner. And they didn't look at Christian Wood and thought, you know, we need that... We need that guy as well. Like, that's that's alarming to me. And I think that, you know, I should have probably realized that and been like, huh, maybe I need to be a lot lower in Christian Wood than I am. I already updated my top 100 for the year, and I had I moved him significantly down. Um, I don't know. I think I'll be interested to see if he either stays in Houston this summer or if he goes somewhere else, you know, in conjunction with Wall's contract, be like, hey, you know, but no one's going to be trying to clear cap space this summer because there's no like 
John Wall, or there's no, no John Wall. Brad Beal sounds like he's going to sign the contract extension. Harden's going to re-up in Philly, probably. You're going to have so many guys doing, like, this free agent class isn't going to be the best. I think Kyrie might be a free agent, but after this whole ordeal, do you want to, I mean, do you think teams want to sign Kyrie? So I think that we'll see what happens this summer. I, I would bet I would bet money that Christian Wood will not be on the Houston Rockets next year, though. Um, Kevin Porter Jr. <laughs> didn't catch a whole lot of him this week. He didn't play in every game. His growth to me, I like that he's shooting 37% from three. I like that he's averaging six assists a game. I like that he's playing hard on the defensive end. And I like that he's seeming like John Lucas, by all accounts, is the guy that NBA players, like, if they don't work with John Lucas, they're not going to work with anybody. And obviously, Kevin Porter Jr., the reason he left Cleveland is because he had, you know, basically what the equivalent of a meltdown, right? I, I can't find the other way to describe it. I'm not trying to impugn Kevin Porter Jr.'s character or anything, but I think that's probably the best way I can describe it. And getting really upset that his locker was being taken over, right? You had, you know, the incident earlier this year. I can't recall it. The details exactly on the top of my head but he like he's a difficult guy to deal with but it sounds like it seems like (laughs) everyone's loving him there he's taking on you know I read a quote earlier this year that he was excitedly taking on hard defensive assignments like he was talking trash to Steph and that was one of the Steph's best games since the new year which quiet storyline Steph has not been great (laughs) since Draymond went down we all kind of expected you know maybe a little bit of a regression checking the stats earlier today He's shooting 35.9% from three since Draymond went down. That's not great. And I don't think it's a coincidence, but we'll, we'll talk more about the Warriors later in the year. Um, If they can get Kevin Porter Jr. to buy in, you know, and listen, I'm not going to say, you know, his quote unquote character flaws because I mean, they're not really flaws. Everybody has them. Some people's are just more pronounced than others. Like maybe Kevin's are. I think that... <laughs> He has a chance to be a real impact player in this league. And there's a reason why he's so tantalizing, why he stuck around so much, even after all those, like, quote-unquote incidents. There's a reason he was still a first-round pick. His reputation coming out of USC wasn't wasn't great, <laughs> for lack of a better word. And I think that six assists a game coming out of that guy, I didn't see that coming, right? <laughs> he had a 50-point game last year. And he was a gunner last year. They have Jalen Green. But if he can become, this is in essence the Russell Westbrook experiment, right? And I'm not saying Kevin Porter Jr. is going to be Russell Westbrook. But the Russell Westbrook experiment, because Russell Westbrook was a shooting guard his whole life. You know, in college, he never played point guard because Darren Collison was there. And like, why would you play point guard if Darren Collison is going to be in, you know, your spot? But, you know, slowly and surely, Russell Westbrook became a point guard and a damn good one, right? And I'm not saying, again... I don't think Kevin Porter Jr. is in Russell Westbrook's talent universe. But I'm saying that there's a precedent there, and I don't think it's a bad experiment to try. And if not, you have someone with improved vision who can play the two and give you 15 a game and five assists, right? Or not, maybe not 15, maybe like 18 a game with five assists, right? Like kind of Karis LeVert. If he turns into Karis LeVert, that's great for Kevin Porter Jr. Great, because Karis LeVert's probably like the 50th to 60th, 60th best player in the NBA. Right, maybe if you want to put it down to seventy fifth to widen the range, but he's just—he's a good scorer. He can get to his spots. He can pass a little bit. 
you know, that, that'd be great for Kevin Porter Jr. So if the Rockets can get something out of him like that and then either, you know, trade him or keep him and try to make him a part of the core, I think there's a lot of options you can do with Kevin Porter Jr. there. So I'll be curious to see what happens there. Um, no surprise Daniel Tice was traded. <laughs> he didn't really fit on this team. And I mean, he was barely playing <laughs> when he was there. He only played 26 games there. So I don't know what was going on there, but I'm glad he's gone. Um, Shangun. Caleb and I talked about him a lot. I think he's another reason why you want to examine moving Christian Wood. That man is bullying NBA centers already <laughs> on the low block. And yeah, he's not bull- like he can't bully everybody. But Jermichael Green's a pretty stout dude. Right. And he just was eating him for lunch. So I want to see him with more opportunities to shoot the ball, to pass the ball. I mean, he's averaging 2.4 assists a game in 18 minutes. <laughs> I mean, that's five assists a game per, if he played 36 minutes a game. Now, he's not going to play 36 minutes a game because if he played 36 minutes a game, he'd be at 5.8 fouls, which for those that don't know, six fouls is how much you foul out with. I, I hope that's not new information to you if you're listening to the basketball power hour. But um, <laughs> there's a lot of intrigue there, and I'll be really curious to see, you know, what he turns into as he progresses in his career. And I think the fouling thing will drop, right? We've seen, like, Jaron Jackson Jr. have high foul rates that drops. Mitchell Robinson, right? Once you figure that out, I don't think he's a bad defensive center. I think there's some things he can improve on. He helps way too much. That's the problem with Alperen Shengun is that he... He's like so oriented on the team defense that he doesn't stay sometimes when he needs to stay. And I think sometimes that gets in his like. Sometimes it either leads to wide open dunks because he's the only big man out there or it leads to fouls because he's trying to chase back and recover to the guy he was originally supposed to be on. I don't blame Steven Silas for not wanting to play him. He wants to try to win games and they're not going to win games. But I, I don't blame him for wanting for preferring Christian Wood who fouls 2.5 times in 31 minutes. You know, I don't I don't blame him for that, but we'll see. I'm surprised they didn't cut Dennis Schroeder. Um, it'd be good, though. Like, he's actually going to be someone. <laughs> no offense to KPJ. He's going to have better vision than KPJ. And hopefully, you know, he can cooperate there. He's not going to be eligible for a playoff roster now. So if he gets bought out, so he's not going to be leaving Houston. Um, I just want to see if he can bring any sort of, you know, like, I, I think for him, this is kind of a tryout, but I thought he was pretty good in Boston. I just thought he didn't really fit the team there. You know, and I think Derek White, if you have Derek White, you don't need Dennis Schroeder. I think Derek White's a lot better than Dennis Schroeder, but we'll, we'll see. Um, KJ Martin's still one of my favorite players in the league. That guy jumps like 50 feet in the air. I want to see if <laughs> 36% from three, a lot higher than I thought, but if he can make threes, he's going to stick around in the league. The dude can jump. So, And then that's basically all I have on the Rockets. Gar- Garrison Matthews, you know, <laughs> not as hot as he was the last time we had him. It's funny. The first Rockets week, eight-game winning streak. Second Rockets week, 12-game losing streak. And I think it's kind of funny how every time we get the Rockets the first time, they're like both years of the power hour. They're on their way. Like they're looking really good, looking really, you know, like a really strong, coherent team. And then the second time around, <laughs> I don't even think we did the Rockets the second time around last year. They were so bad. But, you know, they could use another top pick. 
they're going to start giving picks to Oklahoma City soon. They're pro- I think their pick next year is definitely going to Oklahoma City. I'm not sure the protections on it. Let me check real quick. Um, I think that the sometime soon because they gave like four picks to Oklahoma City for um for uh, Russell Westbrook when they made the Chris Paul trade. So their pick is going. Oh, sorry. That's the picks they have. <laughs> Let's see. Oklahoma City pick protection. Um, yeah. I mean, Houston did a good job of recouping picks from Milwaukee and Houston, you know, or in Brooklyn in several trades. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. So let's see. Next year. So this year. The. And they sent another couple picks to. I forgot. They sent another pick to. Um, <laughs> to Oklahoma City for Shengun. So next year. I don't think. So 2024 pick. They owe to the Thunder. It was 2026. So two more picks from. From the future. So we'll see. I think it's going to be interesting to see where the Rockets go from here. I Listen, they just need any kind of top tier talent and front court, top tier front court talent in particular. I think Chet would be great on this team. Paolo, um, Jabari, one of those three guys. I don't think this is a team. I don't think Jaden Ivey. I wouldn't mind him here in Houston, but as not, I wouldn't be my first priority if I was the Rockets. I'd be trying to get, you know, top tier front court help and I'd be trying to. Um, you know, just be <laughs> in a position where I can, you know, be a lot better next year. I think they're four rookies. Like I've talked about in the pods before, a Garuba hasn't played much this year due to injuries and stuff, but I think they have a lot of talent on this team and I'll be really curious to see where they end up from here. And now on to the Washington Wizards. The patron saint of the <laughs> running cook basketball power hour. Sorry, I could not get that out with a straight face. But um, yeah, they're not great. They're not bad. Um, they're just kind of fine right now. They're twenty-eight and thirty-four, good for eleventh in the Eastern Conference since the All Star break. They have they're one and three. They lost to the San Antonio Spurs one fifty-seven to one fifty-three in double overtime. A much better game, by the way, than uh, James Harden's first. <laughs> in Philadelphia. Um, they lost to the Cavaliers 92 to 86. They beat the Detroit Pistons 116 to 113 and then they lost to the um, Hawks 117 to 114. Like I said, this team is just kind of average right now. They're not really anything to cry home about. What I I think I want to focus on is I think I want to like for this segment basically cuz they're not playing for much right now. You know, they traded Spencer Dinwiddie and Bertans away. Who knows when Porzingis will be back? That's that's probably should be the thing I talk about. Actually, you know what? That'll be what I lead with. So, Porzingis, right? Where does he fit into all this? I think it's going to be a fascinating choice for them to make because I, I, I don't know. I think I like... <laughs> it's kind of like a Sabonis situation for me in Sacramento where I like the guys they already have. I think a two-headed monster with Bryant and Gafford is really diverse. You could do a lot of different things with it. Brian's not ter- like Brian's gotten a little better on defense. He's not where he was, you know, in the past, where he was a complete train wreck back there, and that's really good. He's really like he's by he's really explosive. I'm not gonna say by far the most explosive because Gafford does some crazy shit, but I think Brian and I think if you combine, <laughs> it's funny if you combine Daniel Gafford and 
um, Thomas Bryant, you get Chris Dabbs-Porzingis. And I think, you know, it's better to have one guy who can do all the things they can do rather than to have the guys that can do, you know, a little bit, two guys and do a little bit of what you can do. It's a decent question. I wouldn't say that I want, (laughs) especially when Porzingis is probably on the worst contract in the league right now, right? I, I don't think it's a debate. He's barely been healthy since he signed that contract. He was tore his ACL like while he was a, you know, <laughs> while he was, you know, injured, he signed that max contract. And I wasn't Cuban's brightest moment. And I think that, you know, that's <laughs> um, Washington. I, they took an interesting swing, right? Because Brad Beal probably wants to play with a guy like Porzingis, right? Someone who can play off of him a little bit. But we saw how, like, the thing that stuck out for me with Porzingis when he was in Dallas, it always struck me that he was a lot better when Luka was not on the court, right? And Luka, we see how he's doing with, you know, that group now. He's they've been The Mavericks have been really good since Porzingis went down, basically. They were pretty good before that, too. But once Luka got into shape... They started picking it up, and then once they traded Porzingis and added, you know, Dinwiddie and Bertans, two guys who are better suited on a team like Dallas than they are on a team like Washington, it all started to make sense. And I th- forgive me, that's my cat. Um, <laughs> they all just, you know, those two guys really didn't make sense on this team. They had way, too, they still have way too many guys on their team. Although funny, nobody at point guard right now because they traded away all both of their point guards in Holiday and Dinwiddie. I think Porzingis for me, like, here's the, here's the ultimate question, right? Would you rather pay Kristaps Porzingis 30, you know, close to 40 million? Or would you rather pay Thomas Bryant, Daniel Gafford, and Kyle Kuzma all 39 million? So I'm pretty sure they're all making $13 million a year. I know the, my answer to that question, and that's, and that's paying those three guys. I think this, this is the problem, right? So let's say you want to play Chris Stapps at center. Well, then that means you've got to cut one of Bryant or Gafford out, right? Those two guys are 23 and 24, right? Gafford's 23, Bryant's 24. The other thing solution is, is to play both of those guys and play Chris Stapps at power forward. Well, then you're just moving Kyle Kuzma off of his best position. So the choice for me is really tough. Andrew moving Rui Hachimura, who <laughs> Rui and Kuzma, in my eyes, are both power forwards. It could just be my, you know new my new age you know hippie basketball sensibilities talking but i think those guys are power forwards i think denny obdi is probably a power forward as well although he needs to put on a little bit more weight before he could probably have that distinction but i don't know like i don't think either of those are good roads for the wizards and here's the thing <laughs> we saw what the maverick straight got for Porzingis. what are the wizards gonna get for him if they try to flip him this summer I, that's the question du jour to me. And I think that if I'm the, if I'm the wizards, I'm just trying to see how this plays out. I'm trying to see if he can stay healthy. He's probably not going to be able to folks. That's, that's the thing with Chris Esporzingas. He hasn't been able to stay healthy in years. And I, I think that is again, just so fascinating because He's really talented, right? We see he has the ability to hit like five like five threes in a row and completely change the game while blocking two shots on the other side. We haven't seen that guy consistently over the course of a full year since he tore his ACL. That was in 2018. 
guys, he's not like the old Chris Stapps is never coming back. He's not going to be how he was when he was an all-star in New York. It's just never going to be that way. Because, again, this kind of goes back to what I was talking about with Zion, but, like, they both have very unique body builds, right? Zion in terms of his weight, Chris Stapps in terms of his height, and, frankly, his likeness. I wouldn't say Chris Stapps isn't strong. <laughs> he's 240. And 7'3", 240, I- I'll, give, I'll give Chris Stapps 260. 7'3", 260 is not... It's not what you want, you know? And I think that Chris Stapps, to me, is a guy where <laughs> I I just don't think... I think he was a unicorn for the time, but we saw, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. come along. We saw, you know, like, we saw a bunch of guys who were had his basically the same body type. We saw a bunch of them come around and be better than Chris Stapps was. Like, Miles Turner, right? If you said after the 2015-16 season who, like, Miles Turner would be better than Chris Asforzingas, everyone would have laughed at you. But now, everyone's trying to get Miles Turner, and no one's trying to get Chris Asforzingas. Does a lot of that have to do with the contracts? Yes. I would bet you if they were both making $18 million a year, everyone would still choose Miles. And by the way, Miles and Chris Tapps have had not the same level of injury history, but Miles has had a little bit of injury history the last couple of years. He hasn't been able to finish either of the last two seasons. And it's, he, okay. It's, he could still finish this season. If I'm Miles Turner's agency, I would not let him come back and play basketball again this year. But <laughs> that aside, I think that, you know, you go back to the 2015 draft, everyone's not going to be like, hey, you know, the Knicks should have taken that guy fourth and the Pacers should have taken Chris Stapps 11th. I don't think people people would have thought you were crazy at the time. I I just believe <laughs> that in this day and age, that having a guy who can make thirty seven percent of his threes and block a couple shots a game, you could find like maybe not a couple, but you could find a guy who can like hell Thomas Bryant could block a shot a game right now. Let's see how many blocks a game is yet. So right now Thomas Bryant has block has point seven blocks. So not bad. I mean, in so that would mean in like 20 games, he's blocked 14 shots. I would take that over like paying that guy 13 million over paying Chris Asperzingis 39 million, right? It's it's a huge difference and it eats up so much of your salary cap. And Caleb, a shout out to Caleb. He knows I don't like talking much about contracts, right? But in this discussion, it's kind of impossible to avoid <laughs> the very large elephant in the room because it just blocks up so much of your salary cap space. Now, granted, in this scenario, um, Dinwiddie had clearly lost the locker room and Bertans wasn't even playing, right? So you're just like, hey, we're taking a free shot on this guy. That being said, like I said, it's a very crowded front court room and the back court's completely wide open, right? You have Set- Sadoransky <laughs> was a key buyout addition for them. And he's going to end up playing a lot for them. In two games, in two games, he's averaging 15 minutes a game and that feels low. Like he should probably be averaging more than that. Like, Hal Neto is going to be a high-minute player. Like, Hal Neto is going to average 30 minutes a game the rest of the year. That's not something you want. Like, Hal Neto is fine, right? I think the biggest revelation of the last couple of years of Washington Wizards basketball is that Hal Neto is somehow a serviceable NBA player. But <laughs> I don't want him playing, like, 30 minutes a game. I think that's stretching it a little too much. Now, granted, he did that last year in Washington. Last year's team was one of the weirdest things we'll ever see make the playoffs, like... The last great rest season, probably. Not probably. Definitely the last great rest season. 
you know, Bradley Beal playing his ass off and then falling off a cliff the next year. Um, Rui Hachimura playing out of his goddamn mind. Robin Lopez making 15-foot hook shots. <laughs> Daniel Gafford coming in and rejuvenating the team, you know, the second half of the season. So many weird plot and storylines to last year's Wizards season. And now they just have a bunch of like bunch of good NBA players on their team and not much direction to show for it. Like <laughs> it's going to like it's weird because I really like a lot of the guys on their team. I really like Avdia. Kuzma to me <laughs> has by far been the revelation of this season, which if I you had told me coming into the season that Kyle Kuzma would be averaging 17 points a game on 45% shooting from the field to go along with 3.3 assists and nine rebounds a game, I would have laughed at you. I would have been like, what are you talking about? Kyle Kuzma? No way. But turns out he's pretty good. (laughs) And I think, honestly, he's not a point forward, right? But in the game against the Hawks, he had 11 assists. And that's pretty hard (laughs) for any forward to do. Especially one like on a team where the like the Wizards, where the ball is just moving, and I, I think that's something I appreciate about their style of basketball is that it's not just a bunch of standstill isolation opportunities. It's like okay, Kuz, you're gonna get the ball off a handoff from Thomas Bryant, who if you if he rejects the handoff, he can go straight to the rim and yam on you, right? Or you have um, ball movement. KCP has been great for them this year. KCP. I don't know when his contract expires. I'm going to check that uh, their cap sheet right now. But KCP, if he was a free agent this offseason, he wouldn't make what he's making now. <laughs> Let me make that abundantly clear. Oh, he's only making $13 million a year. That's not as much as I thought. So he's partially guaranteed. Partial guarantee on a $14 million contract next year. There's no way he gets cut. Absolutely no way. He's going to get traded to a contender, hopefully. Or he's going to stay in Washington and be good. But that adds another logjam. Like... <laughs> They just have so many guys. And I wouldn't pay <laughs> a lot of them because you have a lot of decisions to make coming up. So I believe next year, Rui's eligible for ex- the next offseason, Rui's eligible for an extension. And I would give Rui an extension. I don't know how much I'd pay him. I'd probably try, try to get him to take like a four year, $60 million contract or something like that, where he's relatively below market but still getting paid pretty well um because Rui (laughs) is looking like a real fascinating prospect and because he's huge like he just takes up so much space on the basketball court right now he's somehow making 54 percent of his threes that has to be a typo there's no way he's made he's only taking 2.3 a game but he's I feel like the way he's been playing this year, he's been getting his shots in the flow of the offense, and I feel like he's been a really good as a play finisher for them. I I think right now, if I were to make a list of Washington Wizards untouchables, Beal, but I, I don't know. Beal's a tough situation. I'll talk more about Beal towards the end of this segment. I wouldn't trade Kuzma right now. I wouldn't trade Rui right now. I wouldn't trade Denny. That's about it. Like, Kispert, maybe. I think Kispert, you could probably get someone like the Nets, right? Like, let's just say you're the Wizards and you're looking to blow it up, right? And you trade Beal. You know, in that scenario, I'd probably consider trading Kuzma, but we'll save that for later. 
Kispert could be a guy you could steal from the Nets for like their first, like the Sixers first round pick this year. Like that could be a guy <laughs> that could nab you a first round pick from a team that's desperate for more shooting. And like, let's just say, you know, the Nets get off of Joe Harris, right? Like let's just, something like that. Crazy. I think Kispert could be a guy that could slide into that Joe Harris role. You know, I think what this Wizards team has now that they didn't have in the wall years was flexibility. Which is why the Chris Stapps trade didn't sit well with me, is because they were so flexible to do just like they could have. I think they should have probably blown it up this offseason anyway. I think that's probably the most logical move for them, but who knows? Their <laughs> Ted Leonsis has never been inclined to rebuild there. They had to rebuild at, after some unfortunate circumstances at the end of the last, at the end of the 2000, 2000s. Jeez, that was a while ago. Um, <laughs> at the end of the 2000s, some unfortunate circumstances led them to blow it up, but they've been pretty consistently either good to mediocre since 2013. Like since they got Paul Pierce, they've been pretty, pretty consistently not terrible. Like they probably, they've had bad ladder, lottery luck in the past, you know, 2019 and 2020 drafts, but this team is to me as a team that I think needs to pull the plug on whatever this is and just needs to like, just let everybody suck. <laughs> and uh, to be fair, they've been competitive. Just looking, going back and looking at the schedule since the all-star break, like they lost their losses by four, six, one by three, lost by three. They've been very competitive going into the all-star break. You know, <laughs> they lost the heat by 21 the day before the game, their last game before the deadline. So not exactly great sample size, but they beat the Nets by one. They lost to the Kings by 13. Not great, but whatever. They beat the Pistons by nine and they lost to the Pacers by five. This team is pretty consistent all around and they'll, they're, they'll, they're going to fight hard. They're going to be a pain in your ass to play. But I just, I don't think this team has a solid direction that I trust. And I, I want to see them firmly choose a side. Either we're going for the playoffs next year or we're going to tank. And I think next year, Detroit's going to be better, right? <laughs> Detroit's going to be really good. I, I don't think, not really good's a stretch probably. Detroit and Orlando, I think, will both be better. And I'll talk about the magic here in a second. I think it's safe to say <laughs> them and the Knicks might be the two worst teams in the Eastern Conference next year, the Wizards and the Knicks, just because of the steps. Like those two guys, those two teams in Orlando and Detroit have defined like guys who they're going to have guys who are going to be stars next year. I don't know if I can say the same about the wizards. Like you're going to have Beal, but since wall went down, they haven't been a real threat to make the playoffs. Like they made the playoffs last year because of the play in format. And because Russ was incredible. Russ's season again last year just was phenomenal. And he's not going to, he's obviously not going to do that again. And getting off of that, contract was a win for them but I think that we're gonna see going down the line that that might have been the end of the Beal era in Washington because he made Beal so much better just by attracting so much attention and being such a force and they don't have that right now they don't have that guy that's gonna draw all the attention off Beal like Kuzma is really good but he's not gonna be the guy that you're gonna have to like not, not double Beal on account of you know He's not going to be the guy drawing all the attention off Beal, taking 30 shots a game. What Kuz is doing is really good, but it, it's just not the same. And I think that 
either you try to find that you hope Chris Tapps is that guy or you just realize it's done and you just go for Victor Wembanyama. Like the 2023 draft class by all accounts is pretty freaking good. So you go for that class and then you hope for the best, but we'll have to see. And then just some random player shout outs <laughs> as we go through the end of this. Denny Avdia to me is a guy that reminds me of Dario Saric, you know, Boris Diaw. He just does a lot of good things, but right now he can't shoot. <laughs> and if he's going to be one of those guys where he's, you know, doing a lot of little things, you have to be able to shoot three pointers. That's just something that's he's going to have to add to his repertoire because if he can make threes, <laughs> he becomes, you know, one of the most highly coveted role players in the league in my eyes. But until then, he's just he's not that guy. And I think that he's a guy who like he could do so much. He's so skilled. But Rui's advantage over him right now is that he, Rui can just hit a corner three. And Denny can't. And I want to see Denny progress in that shooting ability. I, I think he can. His mechanics don't suck. So if he can grow in that area, I think that'll be what's best for them going forward. Um, Gafford. <laughs> I still don't know how they stole him from Chicago. They could The Bulls could really use Gafford right now behind Vooch. That, that would be... I'm Gafford's basically kind of vacillated back and forth between the starter and the backup spot all season. <laughs> so let's see. Gafford... Actually, no, I'm lying. Gafford started 50 games. So he started the majority of his games. But... I just wish the Bulls knew how to use him better. That would be, he'd be so good for them right now. But I'm glad Gafford's thriving, and I think he's gonna be <laughs> he's gonna be a really key piece of their future or someone else's future going forward. I think if they're trying to blow it up, Charlotte should give them a call and say, "Hey, we want Daniel Gafford." How's PJ Washington sound? So I'll be curious to see where they go on that front. I brought up Rui already. Um, <laughs> I think Rui and Kuz, between those two, you could have a really solid group of forwards. Add Denny to the mix. It's incredible. And I think I, I think one of those guys is going to have to go eventually, right? Unless you think you have a Phoenix Suns model. But none of those guys, like the thing about the Suns guys is they all complement each other, right? Like maybe that's the thing. Maybe this team can, thinks they're the Phoenix Suns, but they don't have Aiton. And whoever, like Beal... Peel and Booker kind of are on the same level to me, but I think Booker has separated himself in the last year. And I think where we, where we realize Booker is just flat out the better guy at this point. So I think <laughs> I want to see how this whole thing ends up <laughs> where maybe that is a possibility where they try to get, you know, a guy like they try to get a guy like, I don't know, like, let's just say Mike Conley, right? <laughs> I don't know why the Wizards, maybe you trade, you know, Kuzma and Gafford for Conley. I don't know, maybe they think they have a group there. I, I just don't see a way. There's so many East teams that are better than they are right now. That's the thing about the Suns. They struck gold at the perfect time because the West kind of had a little bit of a down year last year. And then they got stronger while the rest of the East got weaker. <laughs> And now the Suns are dynamite and the best team in the league. And I, I don't feel I don't feel uncomfortable saying they're the best team in the league. I don't think the Wizards can get there. The East is getting stronger. You have Giannis, Katie, you know, Kyrie for right now, Harden, Embiid, Jimmy, Bam, Kyle Lowry, right? Just so many guys. And the Wizards, I don't think we'll be able to get a guy that can change their trajectory like that. So that's why I'm leaning rebuild with them. I, I'll be curious to see. Um 
Shout out Anthony Gill, if for no other reason than to piss Caleb off. Um, <laughs> that's it. That's all I got on that front. And then, yeah, I think Thomas Bryant looks really explosive. I want to see what he looks like, you know, going forward, coming back, playing more games after the injury. I think they have a really solid center rotation in Washington. And finally, on to the Orlando Magic, who are 16 and 48, good for 15th in the Eastern Conference. It's funny how we get the two worst teams in the um by uh, by the way i should have mentioned that the magic got switched out for the um grizzlies because jd is not here jd really wanted to do the grizzlies and it would have felt wrong to taunt him (laughs) about him ripping his about ja ripping his favorite team to shreds without jd here so i'm joking jd i love you but um (laughs) would have felt wrong to do that so we uh we're moving the grizzlies to next week and swapping them out with the magic so that's a lot of fun. Um, that'll be a lot of fun when we get to talk about job with JD. But the Orlando Magic, three and one since the All Star break. They beat the Rockets, like I brought up earlier, one nineteen to one eleven. They beat the Pacers, one nineteen to one o three. Lost to them again the next game in overtime, one twenty two to one fourteen. And then they beat the Toronto Raptors last night, one o three to ninety seven. Again, I'm recording this on. Saturday, March 5th. So this is going to be coming out on Monday, March 7th. So there's a little bit of like things that have changed since then. You'll know that's the reason why. But for the most part, you know, nothing really <laughs> controversial happening right now. But the magic. So the last time we had the magic, <laughs> they were in the throes of the health and safety protocols. Like their whole team <laughs> was in the health and safety protocols. It was honestly madness. Um, It was... Good time to get Franz Wagner, caught up on Franz Wagner, see what he was doing. But other than that, nothing much educational about the first Magic run. This one, I'll say, very much, very more educational. We got a good amount of Cole Anthony, who after a rocking hot start to the season is down to 39% and 32% efficiencies from the field. But I, I still think he, there's a lot of potential there for him as a play finisher, right? I think he, Colt Anthony has a lot of potential as a play finisher. We saw Jalen Suggs is finally back and healthy. He's back from his thumb injury, and he's looking good, right? He's not, like, been lighting the world on fire, but he and Jalen Green kind of... A lot of what I said about Jalen Green can be applied to Suggs, where he just needs a lot more time. But well, I'll get to that later. Um, <laughs> not seeing as much Hassani Gravit. I'm definitely butchered that. Not seeing as much BJ Johnson. Not seeing as much. I didn't realize Freddie Gillespie played for them this year. <laughs> I thought he was in Toronto all year. Uh, Michael Mulder. So a lot of guys shuffling in and out of the Orlando rotation. A lot of guys shuffling in and out of NBA rotations in general this year. But it's crazy how they've they've been pretty bad all year. But I don't feel like they suck, right? I said that about the Pistons, and I said that about the. I'm saying that about the Magic too. I don't feel like they're the worst team in the league. Like I, I think the Rockets are. I think the Magic have a lot of good young pieces, and <laughs> they're definitely not great by any means. But like Wendell Carter Jr., right, is having by far the best season of his career. 14 and 10, 51% from the field. He looks a lot more confident out there, just doing his thing out there, right? Mo Bamba having the best season of his career. Um it's nice to see a coach in Jamal Mosley who's willing to play the young guys, right? Like Steve Clifford, <laughs> Steve Clifford was a, is a really good coach, right? One of the best in the league, I'd say had almost an allergic reaction. Anytime a player younger than 25 stepped on the court, 
right? And I, I'm exaggerating a little bit because Aaron Gordon was one of his best players the last few years, and I'm pretty sure he just turned 26. But, you know, if you were on your rookie contract, <laughs> Steve Clifford wanted no part of you. And But they turned a guy like Markel Fultz, right, into a good player. And Markel Fultz came back this week, too. I want to talk about that. But <laughs> there's there's a lot to like going on in Orlando. And I, I want to start with Jalen Suggs because I we've lauded Franz Wagner with a lot of praise, both on the rookie pod and on the first Magic pod, where I don't think we need to get... I, I don't think I need to spend a whole lot of time on him. Um, 15.7 points a game, 46% from the field, 36% from three. He's playing phenomenally this year. And yeah, like I, I don't need to say anything I haven't already said about him. But I want to talk about the other guys I didn't get a chance to talk about the first time. And Jalen Suggs. <laughs> I was really high on him coming out of college. And I'm not going to lie, I didn't expect this. I didn't expect 36% from the field. I didn't expect 22% from three. And I, I went and looking right after his thumb injury. I'm like, maybe he's shooting better since he came back. Nope. He's shooting like 18% from three since he came back. Um, I will say it's encouraging. 4.5 assists a game, 3.7 rebounds, 1.3 steals. Those are all encouraging. 76% from the free throw line. Not the best, but it's good enough where I think the shooting will eventually bounce back. And I again, this is a process over results thing, right? Because he's 19, you know, going on 20. He's a super athlete, right? I think once he figures it out, like like I was bringing up with Jalen Green earlier, you know, I, I think that that's going to be when, <laughs> you know, the light turns on for him. And Jonathan Charks, they were talking about him on the uh, their rookie pod a couple weeks ago. And he brought up De'Aaron Fox. And I, I don't think Jalen Suggs and De'Aaron Fox have a whole lot in common. I think Jalen Suggs, just off the bat, will be a lot better defensively than De'Aaron Fox ever will be. But I think that what they both have in common is that they're both just super athletes, right? And they both can just get to the the rim at will. And I was watching that Raptors game yesterday, and he Jalen was just cutting them up, <laughs> right? He was getting to the rim. It just felt like whenever he wanted, he was putting on the the burners and the Raptors couldn't stop him. And he piled up like eight or nine assists and Gary Harris, it seemed like, was always wide open in the corner. <laughs> just because just because Jalen was doing his thing, being really good out there. And I think that's a guy where he's going to be successful, right? I think the tools are there too much. Even if his, like, I think his worst case scenario probably is like high-end Ricky Rubio. Right where he can't shoot, but he does everything else so well that you can't not start him, right? Or he's going to be a high level, high high level. Like he like Ricky was in Cleveland this year, right? Ricky, I would say before he went down, Ricky was probably I he probably would have been my sixth man of the year, right? Just because he was playing so well, he was making such an impact for that Cleveland team. Obviously, Tyler Hero is probably going to be my sixth man of the year now, but that's the point is that Ricky Rubio. <laughs> is a really good player. And if that's your worst case scenario, I'd say that's pretty good. And obviously his ceiling has a potential to be a lot higher than that. He's a lot more <laughs> he's a lot more athletic than than Rubio ever was, right? Even before Rubio tore his ACL the first time. And <laughs> Jalen just the way he flies through the air, gets to the basket at will, is honestly insane. And yeah, he's not that great of a finisher yet. But I want to pull up his stats like I did with Greens. Just I want I want to see what he's doing so far because 
I'm sure it's not great, right? <laughs> Obviously, it's not great. But, so let's see. Jalen Suggs at the rim is currently shooting. Oh, it's actually 59% at the rim. 103 of 174. So, he's making a good amount of his shots at the rim. He can't finish anywhere else. Right now, 26 of 104 from floater range. 12 of 48 from long mid-range. Um, 24% on corner threes. 23% on non-corner threes. And that's the sixth percentile for combo guards. It's not, it's really not good. And I, the difference is, right, I've been advocating for like these big wings, right? Like, or like guys like Trey, right? I think what unlocked Trey's game was his mid-range game, right? Where he could, you know, pull up from the mid-range if they were cutting off the basket or they were cutting off his three. But the difference is, is that I think if you're a point guard, you really need to have that pull-up three in your bag. Like, competently you need to be able to be a threat so that when that way when teams go under your picks on the pick and roll you just need to be able to pull from three and right now everyone is going to go under Jalen Suggs pick and roll right it just makes too much sense not to and yeah there's still a decent chance he might blow by you yeah there's still a decent chance he'll find the open man but your life gets a lot harder as a pick and roll ball handler if your lanes are constantly clogged because you have two guys, you know, one guy in drop coverage and then another guy <laughs> cutting you off, like, from any forward progress by going under the screen. So I think that there's... Jalen needs a three-pointer badly. I don't know if he'll develop one. <laughs> that's the problem. Because that's where that's where he becomes Ricky Rubio to me. If he can't be that guy who makes pull-up threes, then he's just going to be Ricky Rubio, which is fine. Probably not worthy of the fifth pick. Now, thankfully, they got Franz, who is looking like a steal at eight. But I think that Jalen Suggs, his talent is just too much to be ignored at this point. Like, there is just too much, and there's too much heart and desire and will to win, right? I know those are stupid, like, intangible, cliche phrases. But at a certain point, we just can't ignore (laughs) what have always been true, right? And that's the fact that you need the will to win... Like, I watched him in person last year, right? I watched him make that half-court shot. But that's not the only thing I saw him do that won me over to his side. He had that huge chase-down block, right? He had that huge, like, huge... Re- I don't remember the assi- what the assist exactly was, but he had a huge assist, right? Like, he's so smart and cerebral. And you could tell that in person, and I just... I don't think there's any way he's going to fail, right? Now, not failing and being a star are two very different things, <laughs> But I think that Jalen Suggs, at very worst, is a top 20 starting point guard in the league. Now, do with that information what you will. <laughs> but to, to be a star, he needs to have a jumper. Like, DeJounte Murray, I think what's holding him back is that lack of a pull-up three, right? And DeJounte Murray has been top 45, 40 guy this year. I still think that there's another level DeJounte could go if he had to pull up three. He doesn't, and that's why he's not, you know, in that upper echelon with, you know, with Darius Garland, with Trey Young, with SGA, right? I think if you're handling a lot in the pick and roll, you need that pull up three. That's your most, that's could be one of the most dangerous weapons in your arsenal. And if you don't have it, that's going to be really bad. Honestly, DeJounte's not a bad comp for Jalen Suggs. Like, I think if he turns into DeJounte Murray, there's a lot worse ways it could go, but again, <laughs> you're picking in the top five. You're probably hoping for a little better than DeJounte. I'm not saying it's hard to get better than DeJounte <laughs> in general, but 
I still I still think that the sky's the limit for Jalen Suggs. I'm not giving up on him. And if you're looking at his stats being like, what's going wrong here? Just understand, like always, process greater than result. Now on to the other Magic players, because there's a lot of good stuff on this roster. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here, because I've already been going at this for way longer than I thought I was going to. Um, Cole Anthony. So, <laughs> 17, 6, and 6, basically. I, I'll admit, when I first saw you know, Cole Anthony grabbing a lot of rebounds. I was, I was a little concerned, right? I think my opinion of Terry Rozier to go back to another guy like him <laughs> was that, Oh, if your best skill is rebounding, then that's probably not a good sign. Then Terry Rozier ended up being good at a lot of stuff, right? So I ended up looking like an idiot on that one. So I think if Cole Anthony can, like he's really, really tenacious, really has a good nose for the ball. And I, I think can put the ball in the basket. Again, the numbers don't support it, but he's getting good looks. It's not like he's, you know, it's not like he's chucking. It's not like he's Jordan Clarkson, right? <laughs> I bring him up a lot. I feel like, you know, if you listen to this a lot, you would get the feeling I hate Jordan Clarkson. I really like him. It's just, you know, you need a comparison because there's not a whole lot of pure chuckers in the league anymore. But to get back on the tracks here, I think that Cole has a lot of potential. You know, he could be, a real I'm not gonna say he could be a star but I think he there's a real chance he's a top 100 player someday I think that he can be that level of player will he that remains to be seen and I'm not gonna say he will because that's (laughs) a lot of expectations still but you know a starter (laughs) I think that's what he is and I think it's what he'll probably top out as which hey if you're a starter in the NBA you're going to make a cool like 60, 70 million dollars in your career, maybe even more. I, that's a pretty good life. So I I want to see his growth going through the years because everyone said it was such a bad pick when it happened. Right. Nobody liked the Cole Anthony pick when it happened in 2020. And now, I mean, he's probably my first team all sophomore going back and looking at that 2020 draft. Like, I'm going to pull it up real quick. Um, <laughs> It was not a well-received draft at the time. So, right, the obvious guys on the 20, on the all-sophomore team, right, Edwards, LaMelo, and Halliburton, right, those three guys were the very clear selections for the rookie team. I'd say Sadiq Bey and Cole Anthony probably round out the top five. Like, those two guys have been very sensational. Actually, no, take that back. Remove Sadiq, add Desmond Bain, I keep Cole Anthony on there. Um, They have another guy. The Magic have another guy in the 2020 draft who they got for Aaron Gordon in um what shoot, what's his name? Why can't I think of it? RJ Hampton. I really want to see what RJ Hampton can do. Because I think RJ Hampton has a lot of potential. It's I'm intrigued by him, but I'm not, you know, gonna say he's top prospect or anything. But I think there's a lot of potential there. Um but yeah, like Cole Anthony, I think nobody liked that pick when it happened. And now he's, let's see, going just through the pure points per game leaders in the class. He's third (laughs) in career points per game among the 2020 draft. Now, he's only played 97 games. You know, Melo's played 108 and Anthony Edwards has played 128. Um, Still, I, I really like his game. It's pretty impressive what he can do. And I, I think that as he gets older, I don't think he'll be a point guard full-time, right? I think his best role is probably as a shooting guard. But if you surround him, like if you put a bigger point guard 
by him, right? Like, let's just say you have, I don't know, like Alonzo type. Like, Alonzo would be really good next to Cole Anthony. And I, I just a guy like that, where you can have the point guard that covers up his weaknesses, that would be great. But the problem is, is there's not a lot of point guards like that. So maybe next is maybe next to Dejounte. I don't know. We'll we'll see. But I think there, Cole Anthony's definitely not going to be like a rookie contract and done guy. I really like that selection for them. Um, Gary Harris <laughs> playing a lot better than I thought he was going to. Shooting thirty eight percent from three on five attempts a game. That's pretty good. I'm surprised he didn't get bought out, but he'll I'll, he'll have his free agency shoot suitors for sure <laughs> in the off season. He's gonna be. I'm guessing one of the most highly sought after free agents in the class. Um, Mo Bamba, real bounce back year for him. Like not even bounce back because there is nothing to bounce back from. He's just playing really well this year, averaging almost two blocks a game and just playing really well next to Wendell Carter. And I think honestly, (laughs) I would let him go because if I'm the magic, I'm trying like hell to get Chet Holmgren. Right, I think this is like the perfect Chet Holmgren team because we're seeing how well Obama's playing next to Wendell Carter. Now imagine how well Chet Holmgren would play next to Wendell Carter. And I think Bamba, there's a lot of teams that can use his services. You know, I'm not going to name the obvious one that I always bring up that needs the center that I may have brought up earlier in the podcast. But you know, I think Bamba's playing well enough to justify maybe getting like 10 million a year from somebody. Maybe not that much, but maybe like 8 million a year from somebody in the free agent market, I would just let, I would, if I was the magic, I'd just be like, Hey, you did a really well this year. <laughs> go, go get paid. Right. I would not even make him a restricted free agent. I'd just be like, go get paid. And I think he's been playing really well for them. Um, Wendell, like I brought up <laughs> earlier, just completely, completely shocking that you take the guy out of Chicago where he has to punch in, like he's working a factory job <laughs> and you take him out of that situation. And he starts playing better. Who would have thought, you know, it's just, so what a crazy concept. 61% on twos for Wendell. Just, I, I can't believe it. Like you're telling me that the guy's actually good. There is just no way. Um, <laughs> Chumo Kiki shots ugly. I, he really needs to improve it. If he wants to stick around in the league, because there's something there on defense, but like we've seen, like, I'll, I'll just throw a guy out there, like Daniel House, right? He's kind of on the fringes of the NBA right now, and he might have found a new home in Utah, but that's not ideal if you have a guy <laughs> who just, like, yeah, teams need wing defense, but not at the expense of shooting. You need to be able to hit enough shots to stay on the floor, and he's not really hitting anything right now. Who knows? Like, maybe as Jalen gets better, he'll start making more shots, but, I mean, who can really say at this point? Terrence Ross, I'm surprised he's still not out of there. <laughs> Markel Fultz. So I only watched one game of his, and that was the one India, the first Indiana game. But holy smokes, did he look good? Like the jumper, if his jumper looks like it looked in that game, they might have like a real legitimate trade asset on their hands where because Markel Fultz is supremely talented, right? Something nobody has like the problems with him were 1000% mental and it, I wish that he didn't have to go through those, but it happened. So, I, I mean, I can't do anything about it, but just the way that shot looked <laughs> against the Pacers, it was cash money. He's making, I mean, he's only played in two games and the, obviously he's not going to make 77% of his shots for the rest of the year. 
but that mid-range pull-up, it was looking nice. And <laughs> he's made one free throw. I, I'm not, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I'm going to guess that's one free throw. But hey, it's a better percentage than he ever shot in Philadelphia. And listen, if he has a 17-footer and he's supremely athletic and really good on defense, there's a lot of teams that would be like, you know what, we want that guy. And I, I don't think Markel, like Caleb brought this up last week. So it's kind of funny that he came back and played like <laughs> six days later. But I think Markel's future isn't in Orlando. But I think if he shows out in the last half of the season, that there's a chance that some team will be like, hey, we can make that our starting point guard and he'll be good there, right? Out of that pressure cooker of Philadelphia. I I just, I, I think that the sky's the limit for Markel Fultz. I want to see him more. I'm going to watch more Magic games just to see how he's doing. But I, I think that they have a really bright, he has a really bright future ahead of him. And that is something I'm looking forward to seeing for the rest of the year, watching his progress and seeing if, you know, I want to see if Jonathan Isaac can come back. Hell, you know, I've, you know, maybe taking some passive aggressive digs at him on this podcast, but listen, he's one of the most talented, like he's a unique talent in the league. And I, I want to see if he can come back and be healthy but if not, you know, Chet Holmgren's looking really nice right now, and I think that he could really help their team. But make sure you check out our other properties on the uh, Running Hook Podcast Network. This is coming out on Monday. JD and I will be recording the next week's Power Hour on Thursday night, so it'll be out on Friday. The teams for that will be the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Memphis Grizzlies, and your New York Knicks. Who is your New York Knicks? Excellent question. Certainly not mine, because I hate that team. But we got to do them. You know, we had to do all three of these teams, too. Someone had to do them. And I'm really excited to get back with JD later in the week. Um, make sure you check out Lynn Sanity. I believe they'll be back this week. Conference championships <laughs> are coming back. Like, conference championship season is back. It'll be really exciting to see what happens in that realm. Um, so make sure you check that out. Make sure you check out Circle City Cinema. Um, their last episode was the last episode of The Book of Boba Fett. Or actually, no, their last episode was The Last Duel. Forgive me. And that was a really good episode. Make sure you check that out. Um, yeah, The Running Hook. It's a great time right now. You don't want to miss it. I, if you manage to make it through this whole monologue, tweet at Caleb Lynn one that he sucks. Um, <laughs> that's a reminder, at Caleb Lynn one on Twitter. If you made it through this whole episode, if you could tweet that at him for me, I would be much appreciated. Tag at the running hook in your post. But yeah, this is a really fun episode. I hope you listened and enjoyed.